Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Welcome, Lake Point family. And um, hey, if you got your Bibles, I um, need you to go to two passages, okay? Uh, turn to Psalm 42 and then put your finger in 1 Kings 19. Two passages, Psalm 42, 1 Kings 19. Hey, if you're new with us, welcome. Um, my name's Josh, and I'm the senior pastor of our church. And uh, we are really, really honored you're here. Um, if you are new, you're joining us at a, at a good time. This is week three of a series that, uh, that we are really excited about um, that, that's just called Let's Talk About It. Now, we're excited about this series. We're not excited about why this series is necessary. So let me explain a little bit. Like, here, here's what this series is in two sentences. Right now, everybody knows there's a pandemic going on that everybody's talking about. Um, you can't go anywhere without hearing about infection rates and masks and flattening curves and toilet paper shortages. You can't go anywhere without hearing about that stuff. But there's another pandemic. It's like the silent pandemic that nobody's talking about. And we are right now in the middle of the greatest mental health pandemic in our nation's history. Um, I've shared one of these two stats before, but to put this in perspective, the Kaiser Foundation found that over the course of the last year, one out of every two, one out of every two people who are watching this message, one out of every two people that you love, have experienced a mental health crisis in the last year. That's suicidal ideation, severe depression, crippling anxiety, one out of two. Now, for those of us, uh, for a lot of us, this may actually make it even a little more poignant. I read a study from the CDC that released last month that one out of every four young adults in America in the last year seriously contemplated suicide. One out of every four. So here's what we wanted to do as a church. There's a pandemic that everyone's experiencing, but nobody's talking about. So we just went, that's our job. Let's talk about it. And so in this series, we're hitting kind of all these mental health issues that people are talking about. Now, I do just want to say one thing. In Lake Point Church, there's something that I think we need to be aware of that we can help eliminate. One thing I hope to see happen during this series is the removal of the stigma of people who suffer from mental illness issues and mental health issues. You know, this is something I've become more and more aware of in the last few years. If you share with somebody that you have a physical illness, you've got heart disease, you've got cancer, uh, what they typically do is they, they lean in. They go, man, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? Let me walk with you through this season. But if you share with somebody that you don't have a physical illness, if you share with somebody you struggle with a mental illness, Man, I struggle with depression. I struggle with some uh, anxiety issues. I, I mean, I've, I've had some, you know, some thoughts, some dark thoughts about the end of my life. People don't tend to lean in. They, they tend to walk out. 
And, and see, we've got to remove that. And here's why. Because the Bible is full of people who struggled just like you. And God put those people and their stories and their words in the Bible so that you would know, listen to me, it's not a sin for you to be sick. Your illness is not your identity. And it's okay for you not to be okay. That's okay. In fact, if you're new with this and you're kind of walking in and you're like, man, I got all these issues and all these people here got all their lives together. Let me just tell you two things about the people of Lake Point Church. Okay, number one, they're the finest people on earth. I mean, so you're just not going to find any better, more encouraging, more honorable, uh, higher integrity people in the whole world. They're the finest people in the whole world. Now here, number two, and Lake Point, you can mentally uh, or uh, you can verbally assent to this so that our newcomers know you believe it too. Here's the second thing you need to know. They're real jacked up. They, 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 listen, they got all their issues just like you. And, and listen, here's the deal. If you look around this room, not everybody's going through the same thing, but everybody's going through something. We are all walking through seasons like this together. And so what we want to do during this series is we want, if you are struggling, suffering from a, a mental health issue, we want you to hear two things from us. One, you're not alone. And two, in Jesus' name, it doesn't have to stay this way. Can I get a good amen from somebody? It, it doesn't have to stay this way. And so um, here, here, I do just want to say this. During this series, we've been talking about how we want to provide resources that are biblically informed but practically helpful to people who are suffering. And we've said, hey, if you're struggling with any issue or, or marriage issue, anything like that, you can text the word HEAL to 20411. And we've got all these resources as, as a church, and we're financially prepared to help every single person who reaches out uh, with a legitimate need. And so we're, we're prepared to do that. But you guys know, one of the, because of the stigma, one of the hardest things to do is for somebody to do that and fill out that form and say, hey, I need help. That's really hard for somebody. And so to help kind of remove some of that stigma, at Lake Point Church, can we celebrate the 317 people who have taken that step, raise their hand and say, I'm struggling, I need help. Let's do that, man. And, and if you're one of those people, we want you to know, listen, we're proud of you. We're behind you and we're with you. And so, man, we can't wait to see what God does in your life. Now, what we're going to do today is, uh, is talk about depression. And we're going to get right in. I just need you to know this message is very, very practical. Uh, here's why I built this message to be very, very practical. Because a drowning person doesn't need to know the Greek word for life preserver. They just need you to throw them one. And so I've built this message intentionally to be it's just extremely practical. So if you've got your Bible, head over to Psalm 42. And this is a psalm that was written probably by David. There's a heading at the top of the psalm that said, says, of the sons of Korah. But the sons of Korah were worship leaders in Israel. Most Bible scholars believe this was a psalm written by David after his third son, Absalom, rose up against him, actually tried to depose him from his throne, uh, and, and take his place as king. So his own son tried to kill him. And, and that caused David, obviously, a, a lot of pain. David, if you read the Psalms, was a person who already struggled with depression during different seasons of his life. And so when this happened, he wrote this Psalm 42 that's designed by God to help sufferers of depression. Now, if you've got, got your Bible, pick up with me in verse 1. I'm going to read down to verse 5 where it asks a really important question. Here's what, what the Psalm says. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, 
So my soul pants for you, O God. Now, pause really quick. That's a verse that you might be used to seeing like in a Christian bookstore on a Thomas Kincaid style painting. Beautiful deer, green pasture, blue sky, breeze through the trees kind of thing. That is not the image this psalm is supposed to give you when it says, as the deer pants. What you're supposed to picture is a gaunt, emaciated, about to die of thirst deer. Because David's expressing his pain. He's saying, I I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then he says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? In other words, God seems totally absent. I I don't feel his presence. I come to worship. I don't feel a thing. My tears, verse 3, have been my food day and night. If you've ever known somebody who's walked through a season of depression... They'll describe to you how sometimes they'll just burst out crying and they don't even know why. They'll just have seasons where they'll just be in the kitchen, break down weeping, and somebody asks them why, they can't give a cause. And David says, that's me right now. I'm weeping day and night. I can't stop it. It seems unending. While people say to me all day long, where's your God? Now, watch the verbs in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among a festive throng. In other words, David said, I remember that. I used to do that, but not now. In other words, happiness is nothing but a memory for me. Uh, In my message prep this week, somebody defined depression as a lethal absence of hope. In other words, I remember what it's like to be happy, but I don't think I'll ever be happy again. David says, that's how I feel. Now, in verse 5, he asks the all-important question. Then he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Now, that's the all-important question, and here's why I say that. Because most people, when they begin to experience depression, the emotional pain is so great that they just seek to eliminate it without asking the question, why is it there? Now, that, that's really, 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 really important. Because if you seek to, if you, if you ask how, how can I eliminate it, without asking why, then you'll deal with the symptom of the problem, having never dealt with the problem itself. Let me give you, give you an example of this, if this isn't making sense. Pain is always a signal toward the problem. Pain is never the problem. If I've got severe pain, so let's say I get in a car accident, I've got severe pain in my leg. The pain's not the problem. The pain is signaling to my body, hey, your leg's broken. And so what I most need isn't to just eliminate the pain. What I most need is to figure out the cause of the pain and get my leg fixed. It's the same with depression. Is that if we never stop and ask the question, depression is, let me me give one other analogy, okay? Uh, If the check engine light in your car goes off, What you don't need to do is get a new check engine light. What you need to do is figure out what made the check engine light go off. Depression is the check engine light of the soul. And when it comes, what you most need to do is not just get rid of the emotional pain. What you need to do is ask the question in Psalm 42, 5, why? Why is this happening to me? So that you're dealing with causes, roots, not fruits and symptoms. Now, this is why this psalm is so helpful. If you look at the top of this uh, psalm in your Bible, you may see a little heading there where there's a a Hebrew word. It says a maskal. 
A maskil, all that means, it's a Hebrew word that means this psalm was used to teach. In other words, God put this psalm in the Bible to teach people who are experiencing depression how to diagnose and ask, why is this happening to me? So here's how I built this message. You got to track with me really fast, okay? This psalm gives us a checklist of four things, four causes of depression. And if you or somebody you love is walking through a season of depression, you can go through this checklist and figure out which one or ones is causing my sorrow. Okay, so here we go. I got to go through all four pretty fast. All right, number one, look at verse three and notice in verse three, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. Notice this person is not eating or sleeping. Number one, your depression can have a physical cause. Now, let me give you some theology here so this makes sense to you. You are created as what Bible scholars call a psychosomatic whole. What that means is that what happens to your uh, souls, uh, let, me, let me just read it how I wrote it in my notes so I get it right. It's impossible to separate what happens to our souls and our bodies, and what happens to one affects the other. You're a psychosomatic whole. What happens to your soul affects your body. What happens to your body affects your soul. I'll give you an example of this. I've mentioned before, Jan and I, um, our date nights on Thursday night, we do not miss date nights. Uh, What I want on date night is, uh, like, I seriously build my workout schedule for the week to build up to Thursday so I can have as many calories as I want on Thursday. Okay? So what we do on Thursday, it's a a little, uh, I don't know, it, it, it works for me is essentially I save all of my calories on Thursday for dinner, and then I just like, I go to town. I mean, appetizer, big meal, dessert, second dessert, fourth meal when I get, I mean, everything, everything when I get home. But what happens to Jen and I is, uh, is we get hangry on the way to our dates. I've mentioned this before. Uh, the time when Jan, is a true story, the time when Jan and I are most likely to get into a, a discussion, shall we say, is in the car on the way to our date on Thursday night. We'll get in the car and, uh, you know, I'll say, hey, babe, where do you want to go for dinner? So say, I, I don't know. You decide. And it, for some reason, about once a month, it'll just trigger me. Well, I, why do I always have to decide? You never know where you want to go. The only thing you know is where you don't want to go. You know, it's just I kind of snap. And what I've learned is that Jana is a lot godlier after a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> I've learned that. And I've learned that I'm a lot godlier after an appetizer and a sugary carb. I just am. Now, there's a reason for this because, think about this. If I haven't eaten, I get rude and impatient. Now, rudeness and impatience, those are sins. Those are spiritual issues, but they're triggered by a physical cause. It's possible for your depression to have a physical cause, and if so, it needs a physical cure. I I told you to put your uh, finger in in, uh, in 1 Kings 19. So here's a story in 1 Kings 19. This is a very uh, important story with depression in the Bible. Prophet named Elijah has an incredible victory. Um, He faces off against uh, a whole lot of prophets of the devil, prophets of Baal. Uh, God brings down fire from the sky on top of his sacrifice and proves that he's the one true God. And they all go, you know, go wild. and, And everybody realizes that Yahweh, God, is a true God. All right, amazing victory. Immediately after that, Jezebel, an evil queen in, uh, around Israel, says, surely by this time tomorrow, Elijah, you're going to die. Now, he gets afraid. By the way, we're going to talk about this next week. Very many times, anxiety is the cause of depression. We're going to do that next week. He gets afraid. He runs an hour or a day into the wilderness, 
lies down under a broom tree and in the midst of his depression asks God to end his life. He's praying for his death. He's depressed. Okay? Now, pop quiz class. God sends an angel to minister to depressed Elijah. What do you think was the first thing that angel said to Elijah? You think that angel said, Elijah, you just need to pray more. Do you think the angel said, Elijah, here's your Bible. Read a few chapters. Do you think he said, Elijah, here's a John Piper book. This will really help you. In the no, no, he didn't do any of those things. Here's, here's what the angel said. Watch this. The angel said, get up and eat. I love this angel. He looked around, and then it says he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of sugary carbs. See, guys, I'm just being godly. That's, that's it. A cake baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And then he ate. Watch the ministry that God gives this man. He ate and drank and then he lay down. You see, that angel did that because he knew that in Elijah's physical exhaustion, it led to emotional depression. I've noticed this in my own life. Just to be real, let me be real raw with you. For me, the time of the week when I am most likely to struggle emotionally, it's on Sunday from about 1 to 4 p.m. Um, I've just finished preaching three times. I've greeted hundreds of people in the lobby, emotional conversations, lots of prayer, that kind of thing. And uh, here's how I work. I'm, I'm going to pull back the curtain tell you, tell you how I kind of function emotionally. Is for me, in that exhaustion, it doesn't matter how awesome the weekend was. Tens of thousands of people could have come to worship. Hundreds of people could have been saved. I'll spend all of Sunday afternoon just going over and over my head thinking about how I accidentally said turd in the 930 service. <laughs> or I, you know, I got that sentence wrong in, in, in that message. Or I saw that girl falling asleep on the third row and it, my sermon must have just been awful. And so Jana knows this about me. And so here's what Jana does. She ministers me in that. And so Jana on Sunday afternoon, kids go down for a nap. Jana, you know, she'll a lot of times, she'll look over at me and just say, Josh, how you doing? And sometimes I'll say, babe, I'm, I am tired. And she'll get up and walk across the room and, well, I won't tell y'all what happens next, but, you know, it, depression can have a, maybe you need a physical cure. So, so listen, let me just speak to you in a very straightforward way. Sometimes, I bet you've never heard a preacher say this before in your life. Sometimes you don't need prayer or a Bible verse. What you need is a nap. And I'd prefer if you waited till after the message to try or you need a good meal, or you need a day of rest because depression can have a physical cause. Now watch this, number two. Depression can have an emotional cause. Look at verses nine and 10. I just wanna show you something about this. Watch David's prayer. I say to God, my rock, look at this question. Why have you forgotten me, God? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Now. Did you notice David's question to God in his prayer? He said, why have you forgotten me? Now, question number two, pop quiz for the class. Class, had God actually forgotten David? No, that wasn't true. Question number two, but did it feel true? It did. Have you ever noticed how honest and raw David's prayers are in the Bible? Let me just shoot you really straight. For a lot of you guys who have been Christians for a long time, the Bible is a lot more honest than you are in your prayers. Uh, you know, the Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. There's 150 Psalms uh, written by David, who, quote, was a man after God's own heart. 
Did you guys know not all of the Psalms are David just skipping around joyfully in praise? 50 out of 150, a third of the Psalms fall into the category that Bible scholars call Psalms of Lament. They're David pouring out just how he feels even when what he feels isn't true. It's David saying things like, God feels like you've totally forgotten me. It's David saying things like, God, it feels like it would be more fun not to follow you than to follow you. David prays things like, you know, they're called imprecatory psalms. David prays things, this is literally a verse in the Bible. David prays about his enemies, blessed are they who dash your children against the rocks. Now, why? Why is the Bible so raw in its prayers? You guys remember it was two sermon series ago, so I'll forgive you if you don't, where it was during the Jonah series, and I talked about how sometimes... Uh, sometimes God will knock you flat on your back so that you're finally looking in the right direction. You guys remember that? I do. You guys remember. I like you. <laughs> okay. And, and then we said that, um, that sometimes God will let you hit rock bottom so that you discover that he's the rock at the bottom. Okay. Let me follow that up. Um, it's not just being at the bottom that helps. It's praying at the bottom that helps. See, there's a reason the Bible is so full of expressions of grief throughout its prayers. Here's why. We, uh, because sadness is an uncomfortable emotion, we like to avoid sadness. But guys, just because an emotion is uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's unhelpful. Every emotion that God has given you gives you a gift. And sadness gives the gift of acceptance. You can't accept a loss until you've grieved a loss. So watch this. Here's how the math of your soul works. You may not know this about you. This is how your soul works. When you experience a loss, you don't get over it. You grieve through it. And until we grieve a loss, we get frozen in time and we spend the rest of our lives responding to something that happened long ago. Um, I'll I'll be real honest with you. You guys who have been around Lake Point for a few years, you know this. Back in 2018, right after I moved here, um, I experienced a very, I know exactly when it started and I know exactly when it ended. I experienced eight months, I'm going to share a little bit more next week, of uh, anxiety attacks and depression caused by that. Eight months. And that was very weird for me. Uh, anybody that knows me, I'm kind of like a, I'm naturally wired like a, a positive, energetic person, kind of a tigger, you know, uh, kind of a little Howerton family motto. Howertons are always either up or getting up, kind of, kind of thing. And uh, for those eight months, it just would not go away. And to be really transparent with you, what I eventually realized through some counseling and people who prayed for me, some pastors who walked with me, is Jan and I, when God called us here to Lake Point, We were so excited. Like God gave us a burden and a vision for what he was going to do. And we've seen all that. In fact, we have loved, loved being here. The last year of our lives, Jan and I both agree, has been the happiest year of our whole life. But when we came, we had our faces so set forward to what God was going to do that we never stopped and grieved all the things we lost when we very suddenly moved away from a church that I helped plant with my dad and thousands of people that I loved and I married and buried and, and you know, did, did all this. And we never grieved those losses. And here's what I discovered that some of you may discover in the middle of your depression. My depression was 
suppressed grief forcing its way out. You need to know that, that that can happen to you. With grief, you've got three choices, and there are only three choices. You can either repress it, you can deny it, oh, it wasn't that big a deal, it's going to be okay. You can suppress it, you know, oh, I'm just not going to think about it, choose joy. Christians are amazing at suppressing grief. Or you can do what the Bible does, and you can express it to God in honest prayer and honest conversations with brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me, let me just speak to you. Let me just put it all, put a, put a bow on it. Watch this. If a loss doesn't come out forwards in your life through grief, it will come out sideways in your life through depression. And very often, depression is grief forcing its way out because you haven't let it out. And what you need is you need to be as honest as these people are in the Bible with God. Let me land the plane uh, right here. Uh, Like after services, one of my favorite things to do is I'll go out in the lobby here at the Rockwall campus and I'll pray with people. A lot of times I'm praying with new Christians or (laughs) non-Christians. My favorite people to pray with are either new or non-Christians. And here's what will happen sometimes in those prayers. I'll be praying with somebody and they'll start praying and then they'll cuss in the middle of their prayer. And then when they cuss, they'll realize what they've done, and they'll be like, oh, bro, my bad, my bad. And my response is always the same. I'm always like, man, I can't do it because I'm a pastor, but it was kind of awesome when you did. Like, I love it. And here's why. I don't love it because of the profanity. God will clean all that up later. I love it because of the honesty. See, God wants a relationship with you. And because he wants a relationship with you, he wants real prayers, not just right ones. Depression can have an emotional cause. Number three, depression can have a relational cause. Depression can have a relational cause. Look at verse four and five. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to, watch this, I used to go to the house of God among the festive throng. He's been cut off from the community of God's people. Now let me give you some theology and then let me give you some supporting sociology. Here's the theology. The Bible says you were created in the image of God. The Bible says that God for all of eternity has existed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's one what, but three who's, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you were created in the image of a community. That means you were designed to live in community and you can't live outside of it. Uh, let me put it to you another way. God is, a, is, God is a we, not just a me. So you were designed to live as an us, not just an I. And in isolation, you'll get a check engine light that starts to come on out. Let me show you some sociology to back this up. I've showed you this, uh, this chart before, but I want to point out something new, okay? So toss that up on the screen. This is the Gallup poll I mentioned that came out uh, a couple months ago, show it studying the mental health of different population segments in America from 2019 to th- 2020. Now, what's interesting about this is every population segment in America had worse mental health in 2020 than 2019, regardless of population segment. Didn't matter your ethnicity, didn't matter your age, didn't matter your political affiliation, didn't matter your income. Everybody was worse in 2020 than 2019, with the exception of one category. There it is. People who attended church weekly. Those were the only people who did better 
in 2020 than 2019. Now I'm gonna say something with a bit of an edge to it. Don't anyone ever tell me again that church is not essential. I never wanna hear that ever again. I never, ever, ever wanna hear that ever again. Guys, think about this. Everything bad in our nation is up. Everything bad's up. Divorce is up, depression's up, anxiety's up, suicide is up as soon as the church went down. That, that's, that, as soon as that happened, let me be, I'm gonna be a little raw with you because I got a burden that I feel like is developing in me. Here's my burden. And if you're somebody that's joining us with Church Online that falls into this category, listen to everything that I'm saying and that I'm not saying. I've got a growing burden for the, by, by our data, the 33% of our church that has not regathered with us physically yet. I got a real growing burden for you. And let me explain why. Now, real quick, let me tell you what I'm not saying, especially if you're joining us online and you're listening to me right now. What I'm not saying is that I'm trying to emotionally manipulate you to come back in person before you're ready. You need to make that decision as you feel comfortable and when you're wise. I'm also not, if you're in a high risk category and you're like, man, you need to come back again when it's wise. That's different if you're like in a high risk category. I get it. I get it. So that's not what I'm saying. But here's why I've got this burden. A couple months ago, I got with a friend who became a Christian two years ago. Started bringing his family to church. He's got a teenage son that I'm going to call Joe. And I got with him a couple, a couple months ago. Here's what he said. He said, man, they've been going to church for two years up to the pandemic, stopped, and haven't been back since. And he just mentioned, man, I'm, I'm really starting to worry about Joe. I was like, oh, why? He said, man, well, before all this happened, his inner circle that influenced him the most, it was really the students in the student ministry that were also trying to follow after God with their lives. And now his inner circle has changed and his inner circle are the guys that he connects with on Xbox Live. Now, guys, I want you to think about this. God, listen, I'm getting emotional. This stuff matters. This stuff matters. Think about the generational havoc, the damage of an entire generation being discipled out of church attendance for a year. Do you realize what that can do to your soul, to your family, to your children? See, right now, what everybody's doing is everybody, and I understand, if you're kind of hesitant to, to gather with your church family, everybody's talking about the risks of doing that, the risk, the risk, the risk. And, and that's true. There, there might be a small risk there. But here's what nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking about the spiritual and emotional risk of not gathering with their church. So listen, let me just say something. Again, you've heard all my caveats. I want to speak gently, and I, I need you to use the Spirit to help you make that decision, right decision, right time. But listen to me. There is going to come a moment where the risk of non-attendance is greater than the risk of attendance. And you need to realize that. We need to realize that. We were, we were designed. We, we were designed for this. So listen, this is why, by the way, guys, life groups, they are a, they're not a luxury. They're a necessity. You need somebody in your life. You need a group of people in your life who, watch this, who you can, listen, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak a, a little strongly because I feel like I'm fighting for somebody's life here. You need a place in your life where you can take off the mask, watch this, and you can say something like this, you didn't know this about me, but, and when you do that, do you know what the people around you are going to say? They're going to say, I thought I was the only one, me too. See, we've got to have somebody in our life where we can get honest about our sins and our struggles so that God can deal with them. I love how James says it in James 5. He just says, confess your sins. You could also say your struggles. 
confess your sins and struggles to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you know where healing happens? In community with each other. Let, let me play, here's here's the, the point of, of saying all this. Sins and struggles are like fungus. They grow in the dark and they die in the light. Your depression can have a relational cause. Now, last one. Your depression can have a mental cause. A mental cause. It's possible when you get into depression that they call it ruminating. Again, I'm going to talk about it a lot next week. But you'll get focused on something terrible that has happened or might happen, and that becomes the only thing that you think about. You're thinking about things eventually that aren't true. Uh, you need to know this about yourself. When I was depressed, somebody told me this wisest thing they could have said. They said, Josh, you don't see things as they are. You see things as you are. And when you're depressed, you begin to see everything through the lens of your depression, and here's how it works. Your depression is not passive. It's active. It starts speaking to you, and the momentum of a few true negative things will lead you to a dangerously false conclusion. You know, I mentioned earlier to put your finger in 1 Kings 19. Twice in 1 Kings 19, God asks Elijah why he's depressed. And twice, Elijah responds with a mixture of truth and error. Here's how Elijah responds. Think about this. He says, one, I have been zealous for you. True. The Israelites have rejected you. True. They have killed your prophets. True. But then he says, I'm the only one left. False. The momentum of a few true things in his depression led him to a dangerously false conclusion. He wasn't the only one left. God, in fact, tells him, Elijah, there are 7,000 people in Israel that I have kept from bowing the knee to Baal. You're not alone. In fact, not only 7,000, the, at the end of the very next chapter, God is going to raise up another prophet named Elisha. The Bible says that God would give that prophet a double portion of Elijah's power. The future of Israel would be greater than its past, and Elijah couldn't see it because of his depression. Even more than that, 800 years later, God would raise up the greatest prophet of all, Jesus Christ, who would not just speak truth to his people, he would free them from lies. It was not true that Elijah was alone, but the momentum of a few true things led him to a dangerously false conclusion. You see the same thing in this Psalm 42. David says, I've been cut off from the land of my youth. True. I've lost my employment. True. My enemies mock me day and night. True. Then he says, God has forgotten me. False. Your depression is doing the same thing to you. It's reminding you of a few negative true things to lead you to a dangerously false conclusion. Your depression is saying things like this in your head right now. It's all lost. False. God, it's useless. My family will never change. False. My friends will never listen. False. My workplace will never change. False. It's never going to get any better. False. Everybody hates me. False. I'll never be happy. False. See, this is what depression does. That momentum will lead you to a dangerously false conclusion. That's why I love what David does in this psalm. In verse 11, watch this. He interrupts his depression as it's speaking to him, and he stands up and he says, you shut up, it's time for me to talk. You've been preaching to me, you're a false prophet, I'm going to preach back to you. He says, why my soul are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, David interrupts his depression, and you've got to do that. You've got to treat the depression in your life, you've got to talk back to it. It's been preaching to you. It's time for you to stand up and preach to it. And here, here's what you got to do. You've got to talk to depression like you would treat a verbally abusive person in an argument. You got to say, depression, 
you're loud, I'm going to be louder. I'm going to shout you down. You see, in this psalm, David says, I remember back to the land of Jordan, to Mount Hermon and Mount Miser. And he remembers the miraculous works of God that happened on mountains in the past. And guys, we've got a far better mountain to look back to. We can look back to Golgotha. And we remember what God did for us. So we stand up and we preach back at our depression. You say to yourself things like, I am not alone. Gethsemane shows me that. There is someone who cares for me. The cross proves that. My future is not dim. The resurrection declares that. You've got to stand up and tell your depression that its days are numbered so that even if it lasts until your dying breath, it will be vanquished for all of eternity while we escape away to the everlasting joy of the Father's presence, in whose presence there is fullness of joy and at whose right hand there are pleasures evermore. You've got to stand up and preach back and say, I'm preaching now. Your turn's done. I'm talking. And you set your mind on things above that are true. And listen, right now, we want to do that like in this service. So if you could do this at all of our campuses, would you stand with me? Stand with me right now. And this song we're about to sing is actually part of this message as we sing and preach back to ourselves, you give life, you give life. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.